Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mama Wears Athleisure. I am your host, Mariella de Santiago, a first-time mom. We focus on all things mom with tips to help make life easier and more organized for all you mamas out there. Hi, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about winning baby. We have Jennifer from Nightingale Nursing, who is going to to walk us through this whole, I guess, exciting yet nervous and very time-consuming process. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Gathman, and I am with Nightingale Nursing. I have been an RN for, gosh, 14 years now, I think it's been. The first 10 of which were in labor and delivery, so I have lots of mom and baby experience. But it was working in labor and delivery that I realized the challenges that that families were having leading up to labor, postpartum, and that's what prompted me to to kind of transition into lactation, the lactation world, and then the whole postpartum world was crazy to see. So I started my own private practice. So that's that's where Nightingale Nursing came from. And then in the process of all of that, I also became a nurse practitioner to be able to support moms even more than uh, an IBCLC alone can do. So a combination of the, the nurse practitioner and IBCLC will hopefully get people a little bit more support and access to care than they could before. For those of us that may not know or may be new to nursing, what does it mean to wean a baby? So weaning a baby can actually mean a couple of different things, depending on who you ask. Most people are going to attribute it to weaning off of breastfeeding. Another definition is just weaning a baby from breast milk and formula and transitioning to solids. But for the purpose of this podcast, I think it's probably more towards the weaning off of breastfeeding, weaning off of being on the breast is what most people think of when they think of weaning. So it basically means that when the baby gets to the point of the age, which is recommended at six months to have exclusive breast milk or formula and then transitioning to complementary foods. Weaning can happen then. It can happen really at any time. It comes down to a lot of different things and that's where it's not a super clear cut answer, but it just basically means weaning from breastfeeding onto alternative forms of food, whether that's from breast milk to formula, breast milk to solids, that kind of thing. Such a good point about how it's it's definitely not an easy transition. Not always. <laughs> so with how long can the process take and what is the process to start weaning a baby? The process is not super straightforward. It can look like a lot of different things. Sometimes weaning can happen because a mom's milk supply is starting to decline. And so there's kind of a natural progression of weaning that happens just as the milk supply depletes and the baby starts transitioning to other forms of foods. If a mom is able to breastfeed for a long period of time and it becomes a decision to wean, a lot of people will do that at various times. It really comes down to when mom and baby are ready to wean. That's when you're going to start the process. Some babies will just decide, you know what, I'm done needing the breast and they will just move on to other foods. And and moms are very shocked by that. (laughs) They're a little bit surprised and they're like, I wasn't ready for you to wean. So ideally it's, it's when both halves of that equation are ready to wean, but sometimes 
the baby will make that decision for the dyad. If it's a decision that, that the parents are coming to, it can really be at any time. The recommendation right now is, like I said, exclusive breast milk for six months. If the baby is on formula, exclusive formula for six months. And then from six to nine months, it's still primarily breast milk or formula with solids as complementary foods. And then from nine to 12 months, it starts to switch where it is primarily complementary or alternative foods with breast milk and formula as the complement. So around one year is when a lot of parents will decide to consider weaning. The American Academy of Pediatrics has actually just changed their stance on how long to offer breast milk at least. And that's now two years. So they're finding that there are benefits to a baby receiving breast milk up to two years. But usually, most often I'm seeing somewhere between one to two years is when people are making the decision to wean. And the amount of time can vary. It can vary a lot. So like I said, the baby can sometimes just decide day or two, they're done. (laughs) And the process is kind of over. And then the parent wants to really kind of manage the supply. An abrupt weaning process can lead to hormonal shifts that can cause some mental health challenges. So an abrupt change in those hormones when weaning very quickly, when breastfeeding can cause increased anxiety, increased depression, that kind of thing. So you really want to be careful if it happens quickly, there might be some pumping involved, something to express the milk to slow that process down for the parent. If the baby decides to wean quickly, if it's more of a decision that it's time to wean, then it really, it's on the baby's terms, I feel like. And so the parent might make the decision to wean. And then it's just how cooperative the baby is in following that plan of slowly eliminating feedings and decreasing the amount of breastfeeding that's getting done. And so the amount of time can vary a lot if there is a set amount of time that the parents really need it to happen within. For example, the breastfeeding parent is going back to work. If they're going back to work and they're like, I need to be done with breastfeeding in a month, then that's really good to work with an IBCLC at that point, because then we can give you a plan of, okay, this is how we can get you to that goal within the month's time and it be safe for, for the parent and hopefully agreeable to the baby. (laughs) So the amounts of time can definitely vary. If there's a certain goal in mind, you definitely want to plan the process to starting to wean the baby can uh, be a lot of different things. Usually it's going to look like spacing feedings out, shortening feedings, just gradually decreasing the amount of time that the baby is at the breast to wean off of the breastfeeding piece of it. Usually if you're going from bottles, breast milk and bottles or formula and transitioning to solids and kind of weaning off of the bottle feedings, it's a little bit different in that the child is going to be exploring different foods anyway. So you're not necessarily weaning them from the breastfeeding piece of it, which there's a bonding component to that, that they also have to wean off of. But if you're having a baby that's having challenges weaning from, for example, breast milk in a bottle, you could do things like combining regular milk and breast milk together, and maybe starting with primarily breast milk and a little bit of something else, and then slowly changing the ratio. So the child is starting to slowly get used to the the taste and the different flavors and stuff that come with transitioning. You made so many good points and so many things that I would have never even thought about, like when the hormonal changes or Mm -hmm. the fact that there's a difference between using a bottle, if baby is predominantly using a bottle and then the weaning off of the breast. I also really appreciate that you mentioned mixing the breast milk with a different type of milk and not automatically assuming that it is going to be cow's milk 
because that's kind of always the assumption right away. Right. Yep. (laughs) Aside from it being cow's milk, which is in my situation, not vegan friendly, there's also kids that are lactose and may not be able to have Mm -hmm. cow's milk. So given all of that, what are some good substitutes depending on like, and I know this is going to be so broad because everybody has a different dietary need. Right. We know that there's cow's milk. What kind of cow's milk should a parent look for? And what are the other milk options for those that are choosing not to go that route? There's actually a lot of different options. I did do a little bit of research last night just to see what other new options there are, because there's there's some new information that's coming out, some new trends that I'll touch on. But the thing to remember is that for babies that are less than 12 months old, they should be on breast milk or infant formula. So one of the two. And then once they hit 12 months old, if they're transitioning from those, like you said, a lot of times the recommendation will be switch to cow's milk, just plain whole fat cow's milk. But that's not what everybody wants to do. You definitely don't want to give cow's milk before 12 months, but after 12 months is when you can initiate that. But there are definitely alternatives because not everybody wants to go to cow's milk. I will say the trend that I have seen recently is some people are exploring raw cow's milk. (laughs) So it's stuff that is straight from cow to store kind of thing. So not pasteurized, not processed. And the recommendation is actually to stay away from that because when you're dealing with a, a child that's that young, their immune system is still in the process of being built up and they can't always fight what's in unpasteurized milk. So if you're doing cow's milk, you still want to go with the pasteurized processed milk that we typically see in the stores. People have asked about raw goat's milk, raw cow's milk, and there's just the risk outweighs the benefit. not really worth the risk to subject your child to whatever is potentially in there. If it's your own cow and you know how you're processing the milk, that's a different story. But if you're getting it from a dairy farmer, you don't know what their processes are. You don't know what their cleanliness is. So you're putting your child's health in the hands of somebody else that you're not able to really fully understand what their processes look like. And that can introduce pathogens that can be dangerous to the baby. So do your homework, do your research on if somebody's interested in doing raw milk, And just really understand what it is that they're substituting with. So that's a new trend that I've just seen recently. But other alternatives would be soy milk is a really popular one. If you do soy milk, you want to be sure it's fortified with vitamin D. And even breastfed infants are getting vitamin D. We just don't get enough of it in our diets. Infants and babies and children are always getting supplemented with vitamin D anyway. There are toddler formulas on the market. So some people will think, oh, I'm using an infant formula less than 12 months. And maybe after 12 months, I just switched to a toddler formula. Biggest recommendation for that is to just look at the ingredients and really understand what's in it. The toddler formulas are not regulated by the FDA like infant formulas are. So there can be some stuff in there that maybe you don't want your child getting. They will have certain nutrients. So they'll promote that there's calcium, iron, vitamins A and C and all the the nutrients that the toddlers need over 12 months old. But they also add extra fat, extra sugars, and they sweeten it. So they can add these other things to it and it's not regulated. So you really want to check the ingredient list if you're going with a toddler formula. 
And then other alternatives would be like oat milk or rice milk, coconut milk, almond milk, some of these other really popular ones that a lot of vegetarians, vegans use. You just want to be sure that they're the unflavored ones, unsweetened ones, and that they also have that added vitamin D and calcium. And because that's a big part of what we find in cow's milk and why they recommend cow's milk is for the vitamin D and calcium. But some of these other alternatives don't have those high levels because they're not necessarily marketing them to children and children need different levels of those. So lots of options. You just got to choose them carefully, choose them wisely. And that's another thing that you can absolutely see an IBCLC for. We can help with helping you choose the best nutrition for your child as you're weaning from breast milk and formula. So you don't have to make the decision alone, but know that there are options and know where to, to get the information on which one will be best for that particular family. So for the vitamin intake, you mentioned the vitamin D, if a child, in this case, a a toddler that is drinking cow's milk or is going to be drinking whatever choice of milk that the parent decides, do they need to make sure that it is fortified and look for that added vitamin D if they are continuing to take vitamin D drops or are taking a multivitamin? Hi, everyone. It's your host, Mariella. I wanted to thank you for listening and share some ways to show your continued support. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share the show with friends and family. Buy me a coffee to help with the financial costs of running a podcast. Follow me on Instagram at MamaWearsAthLeisure. And finally, subscribe to my newsletter. Thank you for listening. Cow's milk has usually what they need in it. And that's part of the reason that they recommend cow's milk is for those very specific nutrients. If they're using any other alternative, you want to be sure that if your baby is on something from like seven to 12 months, if your baby is on something that's not breast milk, you want to be sure that it has adequate amounts of vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin K. They need those needs increase from 12 months on. So formulas, infant formulas are going to have all of that already built into it. If you're choosing an alternate, that's when you really want to make sure that all of those nutrients are included in it. And then iron, you want to be sure that the baby is getting enough iron because they have life that are slowly get depleted as they should. It's the normal physiological process, but at six months, now their body is not always making enough iron. So we want to be sure that they're getting enough iron once they hit six months old and their natural stores that are in their body have already been depleted. That was one of the things that the recall that the FDA put out for the European formulas was because of not enough iron in the European formulas that were getting imported into the U.S., That was true that they weren't meeting the U.S. standards for iron in those infant formulas, but the fine print in that was that the standards that we have for iron are for low birth weight and preterm babies. So when you're seeing recalls because something doesn't have enough nutrients, you really wanted to learn why. Why is it really being recalled? Because the European formulas were still safe for full-term healthy babies because it had enough iron in it for those babies. It was more the at-risk babies that they needed to pay extra careful attention that they were getting all the nutrients that they needed. So much to think about. It's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. And just breastfeeding alone is a lot. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to bring it back to the Mm -hmm. winning piece. So I feel like if you have an infant or a baby that's around six months or older at this point, you're probably either already 
have gone through the process of night weaning or have started it or becoming mm-hmm. familiar with that. So in that sense, we kind of are familiar with what weaning is, but how is the night weaning process different from the daytime, which is definitely much harder? I mean, yes. And that depends. Night weaning can be very difficult too. For different reasons though, the weaning at night, that one is usually motivated by wanting more sleep. (laughs) When you've got a brand new baby, they're feeding around the clock and that is very normal and we want them to do that. But as they approach three months or so, we're expecting them to be able to sleep about six to eight hours at night. That's on average, everybody listening to this knows that that varies a lot. And so not all babies are sleeping through the night by three months of age, but weaning at night is usually highly motivated by everybody just needing to get more sleep, which understandably so. We all need more sleep. So at nighttime, it's about the nutrition, the weaning off of the actual feedings and the nutrition that the baby is getting at night, but also a behavioral component to it. So when the babies are are waking up at night, it's not always because they're hungry. It's because they want to be regrounded. They want that comfort. They need to be breastfed, to be soothed back to sleep. So it depends when you're, you're looking at weaning at night, it depends if we're trying to wean off of getting more calories during the day. And the baby's just on this every three hour schedule. And that's how they like to be to get their food. Or if we're weaning at night, because it's more of a behavioral thing, and the the baby just needs that comfort at night. So depending on which one is the the reason for weaning, or the reason the baby is still waking at night, you're going to have a different plan for each one. So it does look very different for night weaning based off of what the situation looks like. So that's like most things, there's no blanket statement that applies to everyone. In a situation like this, if somebody were to come to me and say, I need help weaning my baby at night, we would look at their whole pattern, their whole history, the whole story about what feedings look like. What do they look like during the day? What do they look like at night? What is the baby's behaviors at night? Is the baby getting calories at night or just comfort at night? And then we would come up with a plan to figure out, okay, how do we get longer stretches at night? So the baby is sleeping longer and therefore the parents are sleeping longer. So weaning at nighttime, there's a lot of variables that go into that and how to approach that. Well, that kind of just goes to my next one, which is what's a comfort substitute if a baby is then nursing just for that comfort? That is a lot of behavioral modification. We've got to outsmart the babies. That's basically what it is. They are so smart and they learn these patterns and they know if they wake up and they like that comfort, the warmness and the coziness of being up against the parent, then that's what they're going to want. And that's okay. That's normal. That's all about the baby in that developmental stage of establishing trust, knowing that their needs are being met. And those are where the studies are saying that those babies that have their needs, their needs met, grow up to be more confident, more independent adults with fewer mental health challenges. So it's a fine line between providing comfort to the child through breastfeeding versus helping them learn some independence and some self-soothing. Some different comfort measures that you can do to outsmart. We want to trick the baby. One of the ones that I feel like works really, really well, and I've had lots of parents do this, is when breastfeeding, 
you bring in another item, you bring in something else that that baby will then associate with comfort. So whether it's like a favorite stuffed animal or a favorite blanket, something that can be tucked in right there with mama and baby, it'll help kind of get the scent of the parent. It'll help the baby have something to kind of grab onto. They will start to associate that item with comfort because when they're there comforted while breastfeeding, that item is going to become part of that process. And then as the baby wakes, you start transitioning that comfort to that item. Instead, you give them that comfort and maybe just cuddle them for a little bit and see if that will help to transition that behavior to, okay, I can self-soothe. I can reground myself. And that item becomes their safety blanket, basically. So much to think about. So Yeah. And then the regular like redirecting and distraction and trying to just shift their attention to something else away from the breast and until they are insistent. (laughs) So lots and lots of different tricks. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I wanted to just give you an opportunity to give us any last minute tips, suggestions, or recommendations. Oh gosh. I would probably say the biggest thing is weaning when a parent and baby are both ready, unless the baby just decides that for the parent, it can be heartbreaking for, (laughs) for the parent if they're not quite ready to give that up, but knowing that it's coming, being prepared for it, um, understanding what the different feeding options are as the baby's transitioning away from breastfeeding and making sure they're getting proper nutrition, well-balanced nutrition so that their diet is meeting all of their nutritional needs now that breast milk was doing just by default anyway, and what formula was doing, because those are both built to meet the needs of an infant. So making sure that their diet is really well balanced and then weaning carefully because of the, the challenges that can come with, with weaning for the parent, the hormonal changes that we talked about, plugged ducts, mastitis, engorgement, lots of things can happen when you're trying to tell your body it's time to stop making breast milk. So depending on how quick that process is, you can run into some of these other challenges along the way. So just being a very mindful of that seeking out help. That is the biggest thing for me. A lot of families go through this alone and they don't have to, and it's a struggle if you're going through it alone. So find an IBCLC that you love and that you trust and can help you. doesn't always necessarily require a full consult. If you find the right IBCLC who just establishes that relationship with you, a lot of you can just ask questions, get information. Asking a question about weaning is a very easy thing to answer sometimes. Feeding support groups. We have actually a feeding support group at Love Strong Wellness that goes over breastfeeding, bottle feeding, formula feeding, transitioning to solids, all the things. So a parent at any time that has a question about how to feed their infant or their young toddler can come to that group and get questions answered as well. So know the resources, know where to get help and know that you don't have to do it alone is the biggest piece of advice. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for our next episode. You can find us on Instagram for more updates and tips. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review if you like us.